Jewish audio on Chabad.org. So tell me, why do you do what you do? The choices we make every day, how much of them are influenced by the circumstances we find ourselves in, by the people around us, or by a firm inner decision that this is what I want to do? Very often, the things that we do and the stuff that we say are not necessarily coming from within. Rather, they're just mirroring what's happening around us. But there are unique times when we actually own what we say. We own our choices. We do something because we feel it. We do something because it's coming from a very deep place within ourselves. The fifth book of the Torah, which we are starting this week, is called Devarim, which means words. And the reason why it's called words is because of the opening verse in this book, which states, these are the words that Moses spoke to all of Israel. Now, this actually is the longest sermon ever given. It's a 53-day talk that Moses gave to the Jewish people in the final days of his life. Towards the end of his life, Moses basically repeats to the Jewish people everything that they experienced together, that most of it, if not all of it, is already written in the Torah prior. In fact, that's why the name given for this book is Deuteronomy, which means repetition. Why did Moses repeat everything? Our sages tell us something fascinating, and that is that Moses was not really a person unto himself. He wasn't an independent existence. His entire being was to be a conduit to pass over and transmit to the Jewish people the word of God. Moses' role was simply to be a loyal conduit, and that's exactly what he did. But what's unique about the fifth book of the Torah is that it gives Moses the opportunity and the challenge to actually take the words of God, internalize them, make them part of him, and then transmit it to the Jewish people. In other words, Moses is still giving over the word of God, but he's giving over the word of God that's emanating from deep within himself. And this is the message for us as well. It's not enough to do the right thing because that's what we're told. It's not enough to make the right choices because that's what we're taught. What's really most significant in growth of our own personal relationship with God is actually to ensure that the inspiration comes not just from above, but we're actually listening to the voice that's emanating from within ourselves. The commitment and the courage to return to God and be connected to God and live a life of godliness and Torah and mitzvot should come not just from our teachers and from the inspiration that we receive from above, but rather it has to become part of ourselves. We have to identify it. We have to own it. It has to be expressing part of our very being. And that is the theme of the fifth book of the Torah. Make Judaism your own. And for this, I'm really excited for the story. Just such a powerful, moving story, which reminds us about the significance of owning your Judaism. This story is about a little girl who, thankfully, because of an incredible experience she had, her Judaism became her own. Way back, where this story took place, around 17 years ago, I believe, two young Chabad rabbinical students, they were roving rabbis. Every summer, there are young rabbinical students that go out all across the globe to engage Jewish people, to reach them wherever they may be. Well, these two young rabbinical students, Avremi and Levi, uh, they were traveling to the islands west of Alaska uh, with the purpose of bringing joy and Judaism to the Jewish people who lived in the Aleutian 
Islands. After searching for a week, they found not even one Jew. I mean, come on, the Aleutian Islands is not Brooklyn, New York, or sunny Florida. What are the chances you'll find a Jew? I mean, the entire Aleutian Islands has a population of 8,000 people. But you know Chabadniks, they were not going to give up, and they're never going to take no for an answer. Finally, after they're about to leave, they decided to make one last attempt at the local elementary school. They went to each classroom and they asked if there's any Jewish children in the class. And every single teacher said to them, there are no Jewish children. And now, my friends, they entered the very last classroom and they asked the teacher, excuse me, are there any Jewish children here? And she immediately answered firmly, no. At that moment, a girl in the back, her name was Stacy. She was eight years old. She raised her hand. She said, Mom, so are we not the only Jews in the world? The embarrassed mother quietly and quickly told the rabbinical students, please step out into the hallway. I'll talk to you after the class. And now, my friends, after the class was over, the now revealed mother and daughter sat with the two young Chabad students that afternoon at their home. And the mother confessed, I must tell you the truth. I was born a Jew. I grew up Jewish, but I ran as far as I can. I ran so far that I am now in the Aleutian Islands west of Alaska. I am done with my Judaism. I'm not very comfortable with my Judaism. Especially now, as we are the only Jews on this island. It's been 25 years that I have escaped as far as I can from the Jewish establishment. I ran away from all the negativity that I sadly experienced as a child, as a teen. And I ask you, don't bring it back to me. And at that moment, the little child, Stacy, turned to her mom and said, But mom, you always told me we're the last Jews in the world. Look, there's more. Please, let's find out more. And cute Stacy turns to the young rabbinical students and says, Tell me, why are you here? What brought you to this forsaken place on earth? What are you doing here? And young Avremi turns to the young Stacy and her mother and says, We have one mission. Our mission is to reach out to every single Jew with love and acceptance. Every one of us is a soul, and we never know whose soul has the deepest fire. We are one family. We must be there for each other unconditionally. And our job is to help rekindle those flames, the soul that is deeply embedded within every single Jew, even a lost Jew on the Aleutian Islands, so far away from civilization. And slowly, my friends, excuse the pun, the ice melted. They talked for hours. The mother brought some Jewish books and a mezuzah from these young rabbis. And they put up the mezuzah together. The mother had tears in her eyes and little Stacy was holding onto her mother's hands. With such a smile, her face was shining. But then it came time to leave. They had to go on their small propeller plane and head back to the mainland. The mother, with tears in her eyes, thanked them for coming. And then she said, this is probably the last time that my young daughter is ever going to meet another Jew again. Please offer some words of encouragement to my beloved daughter before you leave. And at that moment, God placed an incredible thought to the mind of young Avremi. And Avremi turned to this young girl. And he handed her a little box. In that cute little pink box was two candles. And Avremi said like this, I want you to know, little Stacy, that all over the world, women and girls bring in Shabbat every Friday night by lighting candles, 18 minutes before sunsets. 
But I want you to know that when they are lighting the candles and bringing in the Shabbat in Australia, it is not yet Shabbat in Israel until eight hours later when the women in Jerusalem light the candles to bring in Shabbat. But in America, it is still not Shabbat. The Shabbat has not yet traveled across the Atlantic. Then seven hours later, in New York City, mothers and daughters light the candles and bring in the joy of Shabbat. And eventually, Shabbat travels across the Midwest until it gets to California. And then the Jewish women in California light the candles and bring in Shabbat. But Shabbat is not complete yet. Because there's still one more place in the entire universe where Shabbat has not been brought in. The very last time zone is at the most western point of the United States. And this is the Aleutian Islands. So you, Stacy, you have the opportunity. And then you will light the very last candle. And when you light that candle, not only will you light up the Aleutian Islands, but you will complete the entire process for the entire world. And I want you to know, Stacy, that the whole world and God are waiting for you to kindle the Shabbat flame. For only then will the entire planet become Shabbat. And I myself, my friends, become so teary-eyed and emotional as I share with you this story. Because the look in Stacy's eyes, her face lit up. She recognized that she carries the whole world on her shoulders. She doesn't just participate in Shabbat. She owns Shabbat. And with these words, the young boys bid farewell to their new Jewish friends. And a few months passed, the young Jew, Jewish students were back in New York in yeshiva studying Torah. And one day, Avrami received a letter in the mail. It was from the mother. She thanked them profusely for the visit. And she writes that every Friday afternoon before sunset, Stacy lights candles together with her. And I want to tell you a story, she says in the letter. One week I was busy and I forgot about Shabbat. And I forgot about the lighting of the candles. And Stacy came over and said, let's light. And I said, not now, I'm busy. And she came again and said, let's light. I said, I'm sorry, I'm busy. And finally she came over to me and she was bawling. She was crying with her whole being was shaking. And she said, mom, God is waiting. God is waiting. The world cannot celebrate Shabbat. The world cannot find its peace. The world cannot find its light until we in the Aleutian Islands usher in Shabbat. My friends, this is what it means to own your Judaism. You have to feel that you own it. It's yours. The whole world is on your shoulders waiting for you to take ownership. Shabbat Shalom.